0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to And There You Go, a podcast about life. Whether you're hanging from a cliff by one hand or laughing your ass off, we'll cover it all. And now, your co hosts, Addie and Chad. Hey, I have a question for you. Sure. Do you know what porcupines smell like?
1: No. No? <laughs> <laughs> what? Yeah, what, what
0: porcupines <laughs> smell like. Apparently, they smell like onions. I just found that out. My sister just sent me a text and she was out for a walk and she walks on a trail where it's a wooded area and apparently she came across, well, she said she started smelling something that smelled like onions and she couldn't figure out what was going on. And then she looked up and in a tree close to the trail were two porcupines. Oh. And she got home and she Googled I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if she googled what do porcupines smell like, but you know, maybe something like that. But she found that they do smell like onions.
1: Interesting. And I'm glad she didn't get too close.
0: No, no, no. And so that was, in essence, her public service announcement to me that's, this morning.
1: Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty good.
0: So thank you, Julie. <laughs> hey, uh, today we're going to talk about uh, something that is a part of my story. People know that uh, if, if you've listened to previous episodes, you know that I'm alcoholic and along my journey, I've employed different tools to help in my recovery process, but not just my recovery process, but my life transformation efforts. And one of those tools is what I want to talk about today or what we're going to talk about today. And that is the the twelve-step programs, so whether that's AA for Alcoholics Anonymous or NA for Narcotics Anonymous, did you know that there's all kinds of other Anonymouses out there too? I mean, there's Overeaters Anonymous, there, you know, there's Gambling Anonymous, Sex oh, Addiction sure. Anonymous, type things. Uh-huh. So,
1: cross addictions, cross addictions
0: too. too. Yeah, absolutely. And there's even twelve-step uh, variations for. Uh, people who are um, loved ones of people in active addiction or recovering from addictions.
1: Which I've been to.
0: So what, what that tells me is that what's the common ground with that is It's the 12 steps, mm-hmm. right? And so the, the 12 steps are malleable in some way, right? So I guess before I get too deep into that, I, I get excited about talking about this. I have fun talking about this. So there's a lot of uh, a stigma and misconceptions and apprehensions you said, a plethora of feelings about the 12 steps. Some are positive, some are negative, some are informed, some are not informed. And uh, so I just kind of want to talk through my experience with the 12-step program, uh, what it did for me, what it didn't do for me, and uh, just kind of maybe break it down a bit so it's understandable for folks out there. Because in kind of similar to the notion that the 12 steps can be used, you know, for many different types of addictions and situations like that, the the 12 steps, there's a lot of good wisdom in there that everybody could use, believe it or not. And I'd like to point some of that out as we go through this. So the way I want to start out is um, how did I get involved with the 12-step program? I got involved not because I wanted to. Uh, I had this this aversion to it. I didn't know anything about it. I just had these perceptions um, that came from TV shows or jokes I heard or other people talking about it. That it was, you know, this really hyper-religious type cultish, cultish. You know, this this kind of thing. And so I, you know, I I didn't think about that even when I was in the throes of my addiction. I had a doctor say, "Well, AA is pretty good. You might want to try that." And it's like, eh, I don't think so, buddy. When I went to outpatient treatment, my first stint in, in treatment, the one that didn't take, uh, I went through treatment again after that. I was required to go to AA meetings and getting a sponsor. And then when my counselor said that, I said, You want me to do what? You know, are you kidding me? I'm, I don't want to do this. I, I, this notion of going to a, a group. And talking about what was going on with me when I, number one, didn't believe it at that point in time. You didn't believe what? I didn't believe that I was addicted necessarily. I knew I had a problem, but I didn't think I was like one of those people. Mm -hmm. So I wasn't sure about that from that perspective. I wasn't uh, comfortable with this notion of going and exposing what was inside of me to other people, sharing and talking about things. And um, trusting. The tr- yeah, absolutely. The trust. Uh, I didn't want to admit that I was at that point that I needed that kind of help. I was mostly going through treatment to placate the court system at that time. So I, I had this real aversion to it.
1: And that's not unusual going to something like that to placate?
0: Oh, absolutely not. Absolutely not. I know that any number of people that I was in treatment with and then subsequently worked with, you know, when I worked in the recovery field, would flat out say, I'm, I'm just here because I get a reduced sentence or my wife will take me back or, you know, any, any kind of a, a reason like that, which unfortunately isn't uh, a great reason to be there. But, but it's a natural thing for people to do. So I kind of wanted to start this out by talking about my first experience going to a meeting. So I was required to go to a meeting, and uh, I found a meeting, uh, an 8 a.m. meeting on a Saturday because I'm a morning person, and I thought, okay, I'll, I'll go to this, and how many people are going to really be at a... An 8 a.m. meeting, and uh, quite <laughs> quite a few. I found out, yeah. So again, with n- this notion of having this massive aversion uh, and this extreme anxiety about going to do this, I I went to the parking lot of this place, and it was a uh, an old train depot, a small train depot in, in a in a suburb uh, in the area that I lived in, and it had been converted to a coffee shop, and it also had a um, kind of a, a gathering room or an events room, uh, attached to it. So I thought, you know, that's kind of a quaint, cozy place to go. And, uh, so I, I went there th- that Saturday morning, the first morning, and I sat in my car right until the very last minute, because I wasn't going to go in. Uh, I was uncomfortable going to church and this felt like going to church. And I didn't, I didn't like the social aspect of church. Um, uh, as, so, as an introvert, very much so as a, as a Deeply seated introvert,
1: and I get it because I'm an introvert too. Right,
0: right. You know, and so then you know that that makes it difficult. Uh, in addition to this notion of bearing my soul and you know <laughs> all of that stuff, so I sat in my car and I was watching people and cars would pull into the parking lot and people would go into the building, and I was sitting there wondering, well, there's a coffee shop in there, and then there's a meeting coming up. Are these people going to the meeting or are they just there for coffee? And I couldn't tell the difference, which was kind of a Uh aha second not a moment but a second for me it's like eh, okay so I can't tell big deal so time rolls around and I make my way in and uh, you walk through the coffee shop and it smelled great you know it was a neat little building kind of a brick and wood type of a feel to it and I made my way through the coffee shop and uh, headed to the door to the events room and right at the door was this big burly guy standing there Great big grin on his face, and I thought, oh, crap, here we go. This is just like going to church, and, you know, they have greeters at church and everything. So I walk up, and he sticks out his big meaty hands, and, you know, this is, hey, welcome, glad you're here. You look like you're new. Welcome. It's like, God dang it. You know, it's like... (laughs) It's like, I didn't want that. And so, you know, because I'm I'm just in a sour mood to start with. It's like, come on, I don't need, don't don't make me feel all, you know, slap happy and all that stuff. Yeah. What was your question?
1: I think, as I would just imagine, because I've gone to open AA meetings, that you just wanted to almost be invisible. Exactly. Like a fly on the wall. You just wanted to observe. You didn't want to have to share.
0: Yep. That was my whole strategy, yeah. that I was there as uh, an invisible man, you know, if at all possible. And I wasn't sure how I was going to do that because I, I had no clue what, what, what the meetings were like uh, other than you had to talk about touchy-feely stuff. And I wasn't a touchy-feely guy at that time. I mean, I was, you know, inside, but not not outwardly toward, with other people. Mm-hmm. So it's just the, the, the anxiety. That's going to be a big word in this is anxiety (laughs) as we go through this. But I walked through the door after Big burly Guy, you know, kind of made me really uncomfortable. And I I looked around the room, and it was kind of a a long rectangular room. And along the perimeter of the room, there were a lot of chairs, and there were even church pews that they had brought in, just as kind of cool seating and stuff. And it's like, oh, uh, you know, that just just kind of didn't sit well with me uh, because it added to that feeling of the, the churchy or culty kind of feel to it. In the center of the room, there was a big table and there were people seated around there. Uh, on one corner to the back a little bit, there was a table that had the 12 steps and the 12 traditions listed uh, on big placards. And they had brochures and, and different information about uh, the 12 steps and service opportunities and all that kind of stuff, which is pretty common in, in most meetings. They'll have a, a, a resource area. What I also noticed was that at the back of the room, there was a stage because it was a, an events room. And on the stage, there were a series of or rows of uh, chairs, And the one in the far back corner was open. And so Mr. Invisible here made a beeline for that. And as I was passing through the room, it struck me that, you know, all these people here are are chatting it up, and uh, some of them are laughing. And, you know, it, it seems like they know each other. And I thought, man, I just feel so out of place here. So I get to the back. Find my chair, and on my chair is there were on every chair, uh, there was a uh, a big book, uh, which is the AA 12-step main book. It's called the Big Book, mm-hmm. um, you know, and uh, it kind of had the heft of a Bible, and that kind of concerned me. So you know, we we're waiting for the meeting to start. So I just started thumbing through, and I found the page where the 12 steps are actually listed, and I started reading through those. And I thought, OK, I'm just going to do this as a checklist. I'm going to get through this as easy as possible. And so I started reading them to see if I could check them off in my head. And the first one, it's like, I read that. And it's like, yep, I think I can do that, you know, fudge it at least, you know, and check it off. And, and I got through and, you know, got maybe halfway through. And all of a sudden, everybody in the room stands up. And I'm going like, what is going on here? You know, it's like, and they move to the center of the room. And so I I, I follow suit because I don't want to stand out, you know, and just pretend like I know what I'm doing. And then everybody grabs hands to the person on either side of them. I thought, oh my lord, what's going on now? This is not what this guy, Mister Not Touchy Feely, wants to be able be able to do or have to do right now. And I, you know, I just was like. Good Lord. And so then they started in with what is a traditional opening in the AA meetings, So that's the serenity prayer. And the serenity prayer is basically just three lines. It's God, grant me the serenity. So right there, God. So we're praying. Are we praying? Is that what we're doing here, folks? God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference, which is really good wisdom when you stop and think about it. But I didn't know it you know, and, and, and but it, so I did, I didn't want to feel stupid either, or look stupid, and so I tried to mumble it, you know, if you've tried to mumble a prayer, or something like that, when you don't really know it, and you try to copy the words of the person next to you, and, you know, the words that I could hit, you know, like, God, Grammy, the serenity, you know, and say it just a little <laughs> yeah. bit louder, so that they can hear, it. it's like, oh yeah, this guy knows what he's doing, <laughs> when I really, truly didn't, uh, and, you know, the courage to know the difference, and then there was an amen, and it's like, Whoa, okay, this is really too much like church for this guy's t- liking. We went back to the chairs and sat down, and I got to thinking, damn, that big burly guy at the door—he didn't give me a program. You know, everybody else seems to know what's going on, what's what what the protocol is here. He didn't give me a program like you get in church. If this is gonna be like church, you give me a program, tell me when to stand up, sit down, pray, greet each other, sing, whatever. But I didn't get that, so I just like—I'm
1: <laughs> sorry, but I've I've never heard singing. In an AA meeting, but have you? No. (laughs) Just wondering. No. (laughs) I'm talking about in church. Well, no, I get it. I I know. I knew what you meant. It's just, it was funny in my head, I guess.
0: I don't know. Maybe there's an AA meeting out there where they sing. I don't know. know, I uh, I don't know either. So, anyway, (laughs) we're sitting there, and then um, what happens usually in most meetings is that. Um, They'll open the meeting and they'll go around the room and everybody introduces themselves. And the way that you introduce yourself in a 12-step program is you say your first name and then uh, you say what you are, uh, you know, an addict or an alcoholic. And, Lord, I didn't want to do that because I didn't know. I wasn't certain. I wasn't convinced that I was alcoholic. But because I didn't want to stand out, I said it. So it came around to me, and I had this this fear, this, this terror of of speaking out loud in, in groups like that ever since I was young. And, you know, as it came towards me, that anxiety would build up inside me, and there's that anxiety word again. This was just riddled with anxiety this whole time. Uh, and it got to me, and I, I just found myself saying, Chad alcoholic, first time here, and Big applause. It's like, whoa, settle down, you know, people. It's like, I don't need that attention, you know. So for each first timer, you know, they'd applaud because it was the big deal. And it really is a big deal to walk over the threshold into what could possibly be a life-changing or a life-saving experience. That's a big deal. It is. So I don't want to discount that in any way, shape, or form.
1: And there are also people there who are not. Addicts, alcoholics.
0: Yes, good point. Good point. And so you have some exposure and experience with this, don't you? I do. So yeah. you you've been to meetings.
1: Mm-hmm. And, open and meetings. How,
0: so how did? Yeah. So there's a there's a distinction there. There's different types of meetings, different formats of meetings. Um, there's the open meeting versus the closed. Is probably the biggest. The open meeting is open to anybody who wants to come to the meeting. So that could be uh, addicts and alcoholics. It could be family members. Uh, it could be somebody who's just curious about AA. I, I've been in meetings where there have been uh, students who are assigned to go to an AA meeting uh, for coursework, just to learn about it. Uh, so that's oh, open. That's
1: excellent. Yeah,
0: yeah, it really is. You know, and because not everybody who becomes a, a licensed counselor has gone through addiction themselves, but it's, it's really important that they learn about this. Yeah, so, you I know,
1: even had, in one meeting, a man just said, his name and codependent
0: yeah okay that's I haven't heard that one but sure you know and so um you know uh I kind of lost track of where we were going with this but uh it was just a kind of the protocol of of the meeting so you know people would would introduce themselves and so after that then uh there are a number of different readings that are done uh parts of the big book and, and other things that are traditionally read at the start of the meeting, just to kind of level set everybody on, on why we're here, you know, what, and what, what the purpose of the meeting is. Uh, then there's some announcements. So service opportunities, uh, or if, you know, they need people to step into roles for the the specific group that you're at, uh, there'll be uh, different uh, announcements like that. And then you get into the main part of the program and there are different formats, and that's where that's where I, I want to come back to that. So there are different yeah. formats of the meeting. So the open versus closed, uh, there's, there's meetings that uh, strictly go through the 12 steps. So they'll start with step one, they'll read through a part of it, and then there'll be discussion, and then next time they'll go to the next step, and then, then so on and so on. Um, there's another companion book, The Twelve Traditions, um, and that's uh, uh, sometimes studied in the same way. And there's others that are a big book format where they start with the book itself, the main AA book or the NA book or whatever book you're using, and they'll start from cover to cover and just go through the whole thing. There's others where there's stories. Uh, There's a story section in the big book. They'll just do the stories. So a lot of different formats, and some of them are read and then discuss. Some of them um, you might have a couple of people tell their stories and then discuss, uh, or there might be a speaker that comes in, you know, so a lot of different formats. And when I talk to people about whether or not they want to participate in uh, a 12-step program, my, my advice to them is to go to as many different meetings as you can so that you can get a flavor of, of the different formats, but also because um, different groups have different cultures in them. Some of them are, you know, like basically Bible-thumper groups you know big book thumping um, where they it's strictly adhere to every little detail Uh, others are a little bit more relaxed you know one of them that I went to uh, I was on on the road and I was going to stop in at a meeting and uh, I got there and out front of the the meeting center was a bunch of Harleys and I thought oh god what did I get into because I was dressed as kind of a, a yuppie kind of a you know business casual kind of a look yeah and uh, I walk in and everybody's in leather <laughs> and I thought oh god what did I get myself into but i tell you what it was one of the best meetings I went to they looked at me and I looked at them and they all got big smiles welcome welcome come on in sit with us you know let's talk what's your story you know there's big meetings one of the biggest meetings that I ever went to was over 300 people and it was a uh, a speaker series and a, a reading series, and it was amazing. The smallest meeting I had was just me and another guy. I went to uh, a place called in Alano, uh, and uh, that's a, a clubhouse for uh, that's designated, a building that's designated for meetings. And they've got those around the country. And... Uh, Got in there, and there were all kinds of cars in the parking lot, but there was nobody in the building. And so I was wandering around the building from room to room, and I couldn't find anybody. And finally, I, I run into this one old guy. He said, you here for a meeting? And I said, yes, I am. And he said, well, that's uh, unfortunate. We don't really have any meetings today. We've got our annual pig roast going on out back, which explains why I didn't see anybody in the building. Uh-huh. He said, but do you want to have a conversation? Do you want to talk? And so I sat with this guy, this old timer, they've called people who have been in the program a long time, old timers, not necessarily age wise, but, but they've been in the program for a long time and we traded stories and it was a beautiful conversation and it it was fantastic. And so, you know, all kinds of different experiences. And so don't go to one meeting and say, this isn't for me, you know, go and explore like you should do, you know, like if you're looking for a car or whatever, you know, um, Check things out and, and, and really take a look at, at, at what's out there for you. So so coming back to the meeting kind of format. So the meeting that I was in was uh, um, a, a 12-step reading. So I read uh, a section of one of the steps and then have a discussion about it, which I didn't know, of course, because Big Burly Guy didn't give me that damn program. So, you know, I just was kind of playing along. And uh, the moderator of the the group said, can I get somebody to uh, volunteer to read, start off the reading? And so a guy over in the corner, and I just picture him off in the corner um, from where I was. And uh, he raised his hand and said, I'll start out reading. And I thought, okay, this is cool. We'll just sit back and just read. And I hope he just reads for the whole time and I can, you know, just kind of daydream and and Mm -hmm. whatnot. Which is kind of what I did until I hear him say, pass. And then the next person picks up the reading. And what I realized is after a few times people said pass is that people are reading a paragraph, maybe two paragraphs, and then passing to the next person. We're taking turns reading. And to my further horror, I noticed that the passing was coming my way around the room. It's like and you're
1: in elementary school again and you're know. trying to read your passage. Right, right. Be, you know, practice it in your head. Yeah, well, th- then
0: that's what I did. It was, <laughs> it was I started counting. I knew where it was going to end and I started counting paragraphs and I started counting <laughs> yeah. people and I did the math in my head and it's, oh, shit, that's coming to me. Yeah. It's going to get to me and the anxiety, the wave of anxiety just, you know, right in my stomach and and th- this this wave grew bigger and bigger as it got closer and closer. I thought, oh, my God, because I I do not do well reading in front of crowds, you know, groups of people. And I just didn't want the spotlight on me. I didn't want any of that. But it was coming towards me. And at one point I heard somebody say, you know, so-and-so, I alcoholic, pass. But they didn't read anything. And a you know, light bulb, there's an out. I can just do that. But i to yeah. the, the crazy part was I was still terrified because I still had to say those words out loud, you know, and, and I'm filled with anxiety and I'm kind of shaking and it's like, and so it just gets closer and closer and I just, I keep planning and repeating those words in my head, Chad, yeah. alcoholic, pass. You know?
1: <laughs> <laughs> and, I and understand it, completely. Yeah, and, and,
0: and by the time it gets to me, you know, there's this huge wave of anxiety just crashing over me and I say the words and, and you know, the 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 reading continues on and I'm trying to recover from my, my anxiety attack here. And uh, it gets to the end of the reading, and I thought, oh, God, what next now? You know, because there's still about, you know, a half hour left in the meeting. And the moderator said, okay, who would like to start the talk? I like, of course, I'm going, not this guy, you know. <laughs> I'm not talking. It. And, I, you know, that's kind of, the moderator said, can I get a volunteer in the same SOB that raised his hand to read? said i might as well start talking because i started reading and And here's
1: what i noted going to the meetings myself yeah is that they'd often have people that had been in the program for a long time tell their story yeah but sometimes the thing is that you've heard it so many times it would be nice if they had other people do it
0: yeah so yeah (laughs) and that can happen even if you're passing on talking because the format of this meeting was that you were allotted maybe two, three minutes, but nobody really kept time and nobody cut anybody off, Mm -hmm. but you would get those people who liked to talk and it would get stuck on them. And, you know, after I had been at one of the meetings for quite a while, there was this one gentleman, an old timer who did like to hear himself speak. Mm -hmm. And uh, he often retold the same story over and over again. And when it, got to him you could just see people go oh god here we go again
1: I know because aren't there there are specific protocols or rules behind how you react to whatever I mean
0: yes and no I mean you know one thing that is big is that there's no crosstalk meaning you can't just start a, a conversation with the person or interject or make comments you're supposed to just let that person speak their piece yeah and then move on Mm-hmm. and you can refer back to them when it's your turn. Or, you know, if you open up the, the, the room uh, at the end, they'll say, is there anybody else who wants to say anything, any burning desires to talk about is often the phrasing on that. So this guy spoke, and he spoke for a couple of minutes and passed, and, okay, it's like I knew what was coming now, and so that wave of anxiety that I had before when, when it was just reading was now magnified, and it was like a bloody tsunami coming at me, this tsunami of anxiety Um, because I didn't know the language, I didn't know how to talk like these people, I didn't know what to say about myself, I didn't want to say anything about myself, and I also knew I had to pass, but I still had this, just just filled with this anxiety as it was coming to me, because I still had to say some words in here, and I felt like I really should say something, because what does that look like, you know, if, if I'm not saying something and everybody else is saying something, but I also realized other people were passing as they went along, just not not ready to talk, not comfortable talking, maybe simply didn't have anything to say as, as it was happening. Likely.
1: So, do you think that most of the people in the room have anxiety of some kind oh, or another?
0: Yeah, without question. Without question, a lot of people do, you know, especially newer folks. But even, even some of the people who have been there, you know, people just have, in general, they have anxieties about speaking up in public or speaking uh, about themselves uh, it, it's a hard topic to talk about. But here's the thing, what I learned. So as these people were talking, and it took me a number of meetings before I got over this this anxiety and focus on that it was coming to me and I just needed it to get past, that I started to listen to people as they were talking. I started to listen when they were reading and then tying back to what they were talking about to what was what was talked about in the reading. And I'll be damned if I didn't start hearing myself and my story in what people were saying. And that kind of really shifted my thinking about being in these meetings that, okay, maybe I don't have to say anything. Maybe it's just enough to listen and to learn about myself from these other people's stories. And so I started doing that. And eventually I was able to talk. But this first meeting, that tsunami crashed over me, that tsunami of anxiety just obliterated any sense of self-esteem self-worth and just i mean just i was sweating and shaking and and it, it went past and got to the end and then all of a sudden everybody stands up again moves to the middle of the room first meeting here because I, I don't know what's going on because big burly guy he let me down <laughs> <laughs> and uh everybody grabs hands again and they start saying the lord's prayer and I thought, if this isn't church, I don't know what is. Then the, uh, the Lord's Prayer ends, and then people you know that was the end of the meeting, and people are milling around and talking. But I made a beeline for the door right past Big burly Guy and right out to my car, and I sat there for probably about 10 minutes just decompressing from the experience. It was just awful. But what I found out is kind of what I alluded to before. As I continued to go to meetings, I started to hear myself in the stories of others and you know that the first time that i made a run at doing the 12 steps i did get a sponsor i did work all, through all the 12 steps i didn't do it as thoroughly as i should have at at that time because i still wasn't convinced that i was you know full blown alcoholic uh second time i went through it worked because i talked about the things i didn't talk about the first time i went through the 12 steps i followed the 12 steps to a T and I got a, just a really solid sponsor. Sponsorship is really important because you need somebody to kind of guide you through all of this and you need somebody who's going to be there, you know, if you're struggling, you know, and kind of give you support and give you encouragement. And, And the sponsor that I had the second time through was really good. What I did to find a sponsor, and this is what a lot of people do is that you listen to people as they're talking and, you know, at the end of meetings, they'll say, who here is willing to be a sponsor? And you raise your hand if you are. And so as you're, you're listening to people speaking, you identify people who are kind of resonating with you, mm-hmm. with, with whether it's, you know, similarities in your story or you like how they talk about the content of, of the, uh, the 12 steps, however that might look to you. And then if they raise their hand at the end, you just go ask them, you know, I'm looking for a sponsor. Are, are you available? Would you be willing?
1: Was that scary to do too? It was
0: incredibly scary. Yeah. Incredibly scary.
1: Af- afraid of rejection. or Yeah, yeah. Afraid they'll say yes. Yeah. Because then you're really. Then you're hooked. Yeah, you're,
0: you're, hooked. You're, you're, you're obligated. Yeah. Yeah. And so I approached one guy and he said, yeah, I have room. But before I work with you, I want you to do something. I want you to take the big book home, and I want you to read page 1 from the start to page 164. And those are the pages, uh, as a side note, those are the pages where the meat of the program is. What follows that are a series of stories and, and indexes that have uh, you know, supporting text and content uh, to the 12 steps. But the core of the program is pages you know, right from the start to 164. And he said, I want you to go home and I want you to read that. I said but I've read it he said no you go home and you read it and this time I want you to pay attention to what's being asked of you I want you to read it and you decide if you're going if you're willing to do all of those things and if you're not willing then I'm not going to work with you I'm not going to half, half-ass this with you wow yeah and so I did, and I was very sincere about it. This was the second time I went through when I went through inpatient treatment, and this was after I got out of that, and I was going through outpatient treatment. And uh, I read it, and uh, I went back to him. You know, He said, good, I'm glad. Now we're going to read it again. It's like, excuse me, Phil, what? We're going to read it again. <laughs> this time, you and I are going to read it together out loud. And this was, this was the beauty of this sponsor, This, you who know, was a drill sergeant, which is what I was looking for. I wanted somebody who was no-nonsense and really did the work because I needed to do the work. Mm-hmm. And uh, he traveled a lot, but he would call me from the road and spend an hour with me on the phone reading through passages of the big book until we got through that. And it was beautiful because as we went through it, he would point out things in there and help me understand certain passages. And we'd actually get to a certain point. And he said, Chad, do you believe in what that just said? Do you believe that you're kind of stuck and you're not able to do this on your own? And I said, yeah, I, I'm really feeling that. He said, boom, you're done with step one. I would never have Whoa. figured that out because that is step one.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah you know? I know. And
0: so he took me through, and there was a passage there, and there was a little little section that was a prayer. And he said, read the prayer. Do you want to pray that with me? said, so, boom, you're done with that step now. And I would never have known this. And so it was, it was really a tremendous, tremendous experience, and I owe a lot to that man. So what I want to do next with all of this, now let me pause here. Do you have any questions up to this point? Because I know, like, like we talked about, you do have some experience with this, some direct experience with this. But also as somebody, you know, kind of maybe not fully immersed in it like I was, you know, do you have any questions at this point?
1: Um, I am interested in learning about Al-Anon and your take on that. At some point, sure. In all of this, sure. um, Because of personal experiences that I had, yeah. I'm also curious what you think of the open meetings as an alcoholic or addict to having other people come in.
0: Yeah, uh, for I can I can say uh, from my personal experience, I I didn't I wasn't bothered by them. Because at that point, when I finally got comfortable talking in the meetings, I realized this is a part of me, and I don't have any shame in talking about this. And if me talking can help somebody else, so talking in a meeting, is, is there's, there's two purposes to that. One is to help me you know, mm-hmm. process my own stuff, but it's also for others to hear it and maybe take something away from it. It's exactly why we're doing this podcast our stories might help somebody else down the road. That's right. So uh, I personally didn't have any problem with it. And, and as I think about the perceptions and, and sometimes negative perceptions and even stigmas about meetings and alcoholism, I actually welcome that so that, that people learn about it. And I think it's, it's healthy for people to learn about it. Now, other people are not comfortable with that, and that's why there are closed meetings. And that's, that's cool too. You know, mm-hmm. if you're not comfortable with that, uh, you know, sometimes, you know, if, if there's a chance that somebody from your community who's not an addict or alcoholic, who doesn't understand, they might be in that meeting and maybe you don't want to have that encounter or have that awareness that you're in that meeting too.
1: Well, and maybe you just don't want them to know your story. Exactly. Not everybody keeps quiet.
0: Right. And and that's you know one of the biggest tenets of of AA is that it is anonymous. It's supposed to be anonymous, and that what happens in a meeting stays in the meeting. Mm-hmm. You know, we're all human though, so some of that sometimes gets out, which is really truly truly unfortunate. Now I, I I'll go back and you know talk a little bit about Allenance because that's a, a another format. Um, of meetings, but that's, and I didn't, I've never been to an Al-Anon meeting, so I can't say exactly what those are like, but the intent of those meetings is to tap into the power of the 12 steps. And by power, you know, I'm not talking about the God power or anything like that, but, but the, the, the types of actions that are involved in the 12 steps to really help the loved ones of people who are struggling with addiction to alcohol and, and drugs so it's it's really a, a place for them to come together for support and to help process what they're going through as well. So kind of, kind of a parallel path to it. Now, again, it's not for everybody. I've heard good things, and I've heard not-so-good things.
1: No, I think that I didn't give it a chance as much as I should have. Yeah. Um, I did go to several different meetings and then chose one. And it, it seemed unhealthy to me. Mm -hmm. So it was not a good experience. And maybe I just wasn't in a place personally where I was ready for it. Yeah. But after a few of those meetings, I, I did say something and I surprised myself because I'm careful with what I say and I, I can speak in front of people Mm Mm-hmm. But I I have trouble with, like, the round table types of things. But I finally had to say, I can't come back. I can't come back because this doesn't feel healthy to me. Not only have I dealt with somebody who's an alcoholic, but he abused me. And what I'm hearing from some of you is praise for staying with somebody who's abusive to you. Sure. And I can't do that because I can't stay anymore. He's killing me.
0: Yeah. And so I think that's kind of uh, where the fine line exists. When I talked about this isn't a substitute for things like you know, mental health issues or significant relationship issues. This is really to help you deal with the addiction part of it. And mm-hmm. so it sounds like what, what you experienced was something that needed to be handled outside of this.
1: Right. They were all struggling with somebody that they loved that were alcoholics or addicts. But the way that they would present it was, I'm here because I don't want to leave. I'm here because I love them and yeah. I don't want to leave. And, but here's all the things that they do that are hurting me. Yeah. And I'm thinking, I am just past that at this point because I'm going to end up dead yeah. if I stick this out. Yeah. Because I know for sure that addiction is not a character issue. But when you put addiction in with somebody who has poor character to begin with, it's even worse. Right.
0: Yeah. And, and I think, you know, that's, uh, again, you know, that that fine line... Uh, between group support and therapy. And, you know, if you're just dealing with the addiction and you want to stay with somebody because you believe that they're fundamentally a good person, but they're caught up in this this battle with this substance and you want to help them get off of this substance and they're a good person and they're worth being with. But if they're not a great person, on or off the substance, and it's an unhealthy relationship... See, that's something that's, that's bigger than what the 12 steps was designed to deal with.
1: Yeah, and so I felt as though they were counseling each other yeah. on the relationships instead of counseling about the addiction.
0: And that's, that's exactly it. That's the point, point. and that's, that's what really should not happen. And that's where uh, you know any sponsor who starts to act like a therapist should be, well, you can fire sponsors. Yeah. And, you know, and, and <laughs> I, I and ended I did. up going to therapy.
1: Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. Well, and that and I, helped me immensely.
0: I supplemented my work, or not supplemented, but complemented my efforts, my overall efforts with AA and therapy and outpatient treatment. I had to have multiple tools in my toolkit to be able to accomplish what I accomplished for me. Other people, you know, again, they, they can go to AA and never see a therapist and never go to treatment, and they can get clean and stay clean the rest of their lives. I know several people
1: who have done that.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And they
1: don't go to meetings or anything. They just made that personal decision, and somehow they were able to do it on their own.
0: Yeah, yeah, and I've seen people that do it outside of AA as well. So there is no one single way that people get sober and stay sober. You have to try different things if you're serious about it. AA just happens to be one very well-known way that people can do it, and it is successful. I mean, millions mm-hmm. of people around the world use it. The AA, AA books have been translated into all kinds of different languages. It's used around the world, and it's successful. So millions and millions of people have gotten sober and stayed sober because of the AA program. So, do
1: you know the history behind AA and the big book
0: I do yeah and it's more than what we should you know can talk about here but sure. uh, it really came you know uh, from a, a man's in desperation uh, Bill W is his name and uh, Dr. Bob they are the people who established this. And it's really a cool story. Uh, there's actually a movie out about it too. But again, it's it's more involved uh, probably, to to talk about this. Yeah. But it's it's really uh, a really a neat story, and I encourage people to to explore it, to see how it started, and you know how how they were able to pull it together. You know, in terms of a program, and and you know, put it in a book to help others. But you know, again, for another time, what I'd like to do now is pause, and then we'll pick it up next time. With uh, kind of an exploration of how I explain the twelve steps to somebody who doesn't know anything about it or is really skeptical about it.
1: Mhm: That sounds good.
0: And there you go.)